0: Talk live. Give us a call at 855 450 free. That's the Sickle toll free call in line, 855 450 free. It's Mark, Wayne, and Stephanie doing the, the live Wednesday edition. And so you can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Of course, we've got some show prep that we've done for you. And Wayne, you had a very compelling blog post, I believe it was what it was, that uh, I wanted to talk about.
1: Go ahead with it. Well, first, I'd like to pre- uh, preface this by saying that. Once again, in this, in this election so far, Ron Paul has more military donations from active duty military than all the other candidates combined. That much is true. So when people attack him for his foreign policy, uh, who is the real kook here? And, yeah. <laughs> and that brings me to a comment on Daily Paul, which is a blog geared towards Ron Paul. And this is from a member of the active duty military. He says, I'm a sergeant in the U.S. Army. I support Ron Paul and support his foreign policy. I am sure you would not dare call me a paul to my face. No, you would give me the same parroted line I hear a hundred times a day. Thank you for your service. When I hear some flabby couch potato like you say that to me, it makes me sick. Yes, I serve our country, but our wars do not. I do my best to keep my men alive while we carry out the six. Policy of sticking our noses in other people's business.
0: this is really powerful stuff, right yeah. I mean, this is a sergeant. It sounds like he's in has combat experience or, or whatever I mean he's talking about his keeping his men alive i don't know precisely um, you know with, you know it doesn't sound like he's a quartermaster well uh, it gets better mark go ahead. I'm
2: not a big fan of how he started off by saying you're a flabby couch potato i don't i kind of uh, take you a you little fence to that I,
0: indeed, but I mean can you imagine what it's like for you know so many people the 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 chicken hawks out there that are oh, hey, yeah Go war. Yep, that's right. But they've never fought With one themselves. a beer themselves. in their hands.
2: Yep.
1: yep. A beer resting on their belly in front of the TV set. Yeah.
2: That's but, the stereotypical. But it, yeah. but it
1: gets better. He says, when was the last time you had a friend die in your arms or look for the leg that was just blown off a man next to you? When was the last time you walked past dead children that were killed by U.S. weapons? I'm glad you can sleep at night because many times I cannot. I have children myself, you self-righteous SOB. If someone killed my children... You can bet I would do everything in my power to seek revenge. You, you, call me, you dare call me rabid and blind? I know what I'm talking about. Why don't you grab a gun and head to Iran if you want to fight them so much? Ron Paul is right. They are no threat to us. We need to mind our own business. They hate us not because we are rich and free. They hate us because we are in their countries. It is people like you that are the biggest threat to this country,
0: not Iran. Sounds mm-hmm. like he'd had a bad day but I you know I mean I I get it I I understand
2: where he's coming from Every day must be a bad day if you're in the military you have to deal with all that trauma seeing body parts blown apart and kids dying that's just the saddest thing I can't even really fathom it as someone who's Never really seen that kind of violence in my life, and I just really empathize with him, and I can see why he might be a little bit upset. There are plenty
0: in the military that don't see things like that. I mean, you know, there was uh, – I, I remember seeing Band of Brothers, and the there was sort of a complaint by one of – I think the real-life guys at the end, because they'd always do these little interviews, talking about, you know, everybody – Everybody who was in the military basically got the kudos when they came home from World War II, but he said that one tenth of them actually did the fighting, and that those people's minds were, you know, turned to 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 jello. That, um, you know, I believe uh, maybe I'm getting my uh, stories mixed up, but one guy was talking about how, you know, he was walking down the street at the parade uh, for his unit and is all he could see were bodies and heads rolling down the street you know this is the kind mm-hmm. of i mean you know to him yeah that's post
2: traumatic stress disorder sure it is yeah. i mean
0: mm-hmm. i mean to him all he could see from these cheering crowds were the corpses that they might one day be
2: yeah reliving and, past trauma
0: yep and i imagine it's absolutely something like that and and you can you can imagine what a person like that thinks about somebody who says yeah war now you know world war 2 gets the credit of being the most righteous war in in US history i'm not going to disagree with that one uh, you know, but when it comes down to the uh you know to to this one what what in the world are they fighting for in afghanistan indeed have they really stopped fighting in iraq i mean this was one they just said on the news i didn't really look into it very deeply but this is one of the most dangerous months in iraq in recent history that's not very and good. And for
2: anyone who thinks that Obama is a peacenik or a, a dove, you know, he may have talked some rhetoric about withdrawing the troops from Iraq and Afghanistan when he first got into office, but he really didn't follow through with that in any meaningful sense and in, in fact he sent more troops to Iraq and aren't there still what 50,000 remaining there now? We just read an article about this about how Obama and Bush are really the same in every meaningful sense, right, Mark?
0: Yeah, the, um, the, the 50, there are 50,000 troops in, in Iraq, which mm-hmm. is a pretty big contingent. And yeah. last I, I saw, the,
1: there was actually more deaths from suicide in Iraq and Afghanistan than actual combat casualties,
0: yes. which right, tells it, you something. The that military get... has a higher rate of suicide than it does battlefield deaths. That's... Yeah. Incredible. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it says volumes. It says it says a that the military has been outfitted with an incredible amount of equipment that keeps its men's body, men's and women's bodies safe from damage or at least the loss of life, I hear that there's uh, many more casualties than there, there, as a percentage than there used to be. So people are coming home with lost limbs and, and stuff like that, but their minds can't be protected from what they see. Mm-hmm. They can't be. Yeah. You know, People may go in with, uh, with the idea that this is one big video game, but it doesn't take too long to see too many stinking civilian bodies for this to happen. These, uh, the numbers in Iraq, and I don't know about Afghanistan, but the numbers in Iraq were more than 97% of casualties were civilian. That's, yeah. I mean, that makes World War II look look it's absolutely awful. humane. I mean, this was
2: absolutely it, humane. There's well, another aspect. Oh, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. I was going to say that you know a lot of these guys are young and they're full of testosterone. They get pumped up with all this protect America stuff, and I fully in, uh, endorse or or uh, you know agree or, or appreciate their intention to protect us. But in reality, that's not what's really happening. And a lot of them f- figure it out once they get over there. And I think that's probably why. Uh, you see a lot of suicides because once they realize that they're not really fighting for what they were told and they uh, maybe they signed it for 4 years and after 4 years they said no you're coming back because in a contract in the fine print you know we we can
0: uh, get you for call another you. 4 we can get you for another four because we don't have enough guys coming in it's the active ready reserve and what that means is that uh, they can you know they can stop lost people that's what they call it prevent them from from leaving and that kind of thing as another i understand euphemism. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> as i understand it they the numbers of recruitments are up in the bad economy so mm-hmm. there's a lot of young people that are saying well you know i can't get a job a meaningful job elsewhere so i'll go into the military." Whereas you know three or four years ago the the army was scraping the bottom of the barrel now it 's not happening um, in the same way of course they 're still dealing i 'm sure with the folks that they uh, hired at that point because they were taking uh, more uh, ex cons and uh, people that had scored lower on i q tests and mm-hmm. you know sadly, people that are score lower on iq tests aren't are, are not particularly good with guns i mean you know that 's what they they find is that the smarter a guy is, the better he is on the battlefield in these circumstances. so
2: Well, and you know. to both of your points, I mean, I'm sure people enlist for all different kinds of reasons, but I'm sure one of them is because they want to do something meaningful and they want to do something that they, they feel impacts the world in a positive way. But once they get over there and they see that that's really not compatible, what they're doing is really not compatible with that need, then I can I can see how that would create a big... Internal conflict, and mm. the other thing is you know they 're promised this health care via the v a system, which is essentially socialized medicine, and unfortunately. The VA often misses these basic standards of care and hasn't really given enough attention to the psychological trauma that a lot of these people have suffered. And so they end up falling through the cracks and so many of them are victim to suicide and drug abuse later on. And it's just so sad. It's and, and crime. I mean, crime. It, yeah. it, it mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. That You know, when, when you have spent two or three years over there using a gun to kill people, and then you come back over here and somehow you're supposed to treat your girlfriend or whomever with uh, loving kindness. That becomes very difficult. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge uh, dichotomy that you're, for your mind to grasp. Yeah, and it,
2: domestic violence is a huge problem in, in, among military families. It sure and- is. Yeah, alcoholism, drug abuse, every problem that you could name—it's—it's it's rampant, and that should say something about about the mental state that they're in.
0: And the VA wants very little to do. You know, the, the evidence is the VA wants very little to do with treating people for t- post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injuries. These are two areas where the the government has done a very, very, very poor job of taking care of uh, military. Well, people.
2: They won't even admit it. They won't even admit it's a problem. They just started acknowledging the military suicides and sending condolence letters to the families that's true of suicide victims but you know
1: when you train someone to be a killer on order like that it's very difficult to shut that switch off if not impossible of course it is of yeah. course
0: it is 855-450-FREE free talk live Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Go check out the archives at freetalklive.com. We have MP3 archives going back to 2006. Full shows available to you for free. What's that, five years worth of content for free? Every other talk show, uh, radio talk show out there is going to charge you for that kind of thing. Free Talk Live gives it to you for free. It's archives.freetalklive.com. You know, with these current stressful times and sometimes those summer sniffles, you may become run down. Thank goodness there's a natural supplement with all the vitamins and minerals that we need that the human body can possibly absorb. Here's Mike Buck from New Zealand's Nature Bee.
3: Hello there, Mark. It's true. Look, Nature Bee plant pollen from New Zealand is the perfect supplement. Over 150 micronutrients, all essential for your good health, completely 100% natural. You know what? The only thing in our capsules is pure plant pollen, no additives, preservatives, no chemicals, and it goes to work quickly. Within a few days, you'll be feeling a better energy level and we'll be guaranteeing you to improve that immune system.
0: You know, the Nature Bee is kind of like getting a giant salad buffet in two golden capsules. Um, I I love it. I've been taking it for 18 months consistently, and I or- reorder and reorder because it works for me. It makes me feel better. I sleep better, and I have better digestion. Now, you can have all um, all the listeners can have uh, Nature Bee. How in the world can they order it though, Mike?
3: yeah see that 's easy we 've made this really, really easy. A huge six month supply is just ninety nine ninety five plus delivery and when you order a or reorder right now, we give you three more months for free. When you do the math that 's thirty seven pennies a day to feel like a million bucks and all that with our money back guarantee. So what would you be waiting for? Get aboard the health parade right now call toll free 1-866-834-8355. all the way to auckland new zealand eight six six. or get with us online at NatureBee, that's NatureBee.com.
0: Call the toll-free bee line at 866-834-8355. The sooner you start taking Nature Bee, the sooner you will start enjoying the power of pollen. That's 866-834-8355, or go online to NatureBee.com. You know, we've been uh, talking about the um, sort of you know the the sergeant here that uh, had a very strong words for those that don't support Ron Paul's uh, you know foreign policy. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people uh, get the impression that that soldiers just want to kill, and I think very few of them them want that. In fact, here's a story uh, from uh, KMO News dot com. It says uh, it, it's a soldier's widow says. His fellow Army rangers wouldn't do anything to help him before he took his own life. After eight deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan, the Army found Staff Sergeant Jaron Hegeman's body in a training area of Joint Base Lewis-McChord a few weeks ago.
2: Eight deployments.
0: That's a lot of deployments.
2: Mm. I mean, can you imagine how he felt like the only way to get out of this hell on Earth is to end it?
0: I'm stunned by
2: it. Yeah. I mean, he must have
0: re-upped at some point, but it said that he wanted to get out. So let me continue with the article mm-hmm. here. A spokesman for the base tells KMO News that the nature of the death is still undetermined. But Staff Sergeant Hegeman's widow says her husband took his own life and it didn't need to happen. It was just horrible. And he would just cry, says Ashley Hegeman. Mm-hmm. Ashley says her husband, Jared, tried to come to grips with what he'd seen and done in his eight deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan. And there's no way that any God would forgive him that he was going to hell, says Ashley. He couldn't live with that anymore. I assume that's a quote that she's giving of him because it looks like she's saying, and there's no way that any God would forgive him and that he was going to hell, says Ashley. So I'm hoping that Ashley is saying what uh, Jared believe, you know, just sort of, yeah. believe sort of in a rhetorical
2: well, fashion that makes little sense because if you really believed that he was going to hell then why would he kill himself right because he would just be on his way to hell
0: it does it, it does draw that question up certainly
2: whatever I can see the pain in yeah in there's a lot of pain saying. involved yeah. here. Mm-hmm.
0: Ashley says her army ranger husband wanted out of the military he just wanted to know what it felt like to be normal again staff sergeant Hageman had orders to return to Afghanistan this month for a ninth tour of duty now here's what I don't understand: Why did he just say no? You know, I mean, I, I under, you know, I, the you thing can't is, say no, right? It's well, he could. <laughs> yeah, lots of people you, do.
2: I didn't think you could if you were in the military and they actually gave you orders to deploy somewhere, or if you you're stopped lost or whatever. I thought you couldn't refuse, they and or else you'd be court-martialed that. or something.
1: They certainly want you to believe that. So um, I guess he doesn't believe in a forgiving God, does
0: he? <laughs> I don't. You know, it, it, it's it's all I can get really get out of this is. That I don't understand mental illness and I don't understand it at all. I mean, you know, mental illness has always been something that has really eluded me and bothered me throughout my life. I hate it. Um, I hate talking about it and hate dealing with it. But I I can only imagine that this guy was really dealing with a great deal of post-traumatic stress disorder and that I can't assume anything about his world because his world is uh, interpreted by his mind. And if his mind isn't working like mine is, I haven't seen anything like this guy. Yeah. So for me to draw some kind of conclusion about what his life is like, it would be really, you know, kind of unfair. Um,
2: well, I, you could I, empathize, Mark, though, with someone being in so much psychological pain that it's almost like they're not in their right mind, right? That's all, the
0: only thing I can come up with is, right, like he's, you know, he's not looking at the world in a sane fashion. You know,
1: if you had to shoot somebody and it was, it was really justified, let's say that someone breaks in your house and, and they're about to kill you and your family something. And you Awful, them, right? Even though as, as traumatic and awful as that would be, I don't think you'd feel guilty about it like you would if you were ordered to kill people who were unarmed, who had, that weren't harming you or your country.
0: Well, and this story here that you had just read from the, uh, the sergeant there, his, uh, he had some quote about, uh, you know, what, what do you know about what it's like to walk past the stinking dead bodies of children? I don't have any idea what that's like. I have no idea. And instead and by the way, um, the way that they're interacting in Afghanistan and and likely Iraq, too, was that they're uh, reacting with most interacting with most of the population. So they're dealing with them on a human level and then they have to find who in that population is trying to kill them and then they kill those people. In the process, they tend, they seem to be, according to the claims there by, uh, you know, independent news sources and, you know, folks on the ground, civilians on the ground, they claim that they're killing civilians in, in the process. You know, I'm sure some of the civilians that they claim they're killing may have been fighting back. I don't know. I I wonder, would I be fighting back if there was a an occupying force on our soil? I, I certainly certainly think that there are people that would. I certainly think there are. And I was talking to a crusty old... World War
1: II veteran a few weeks ago, and he was telling me how back then in World War II, it was just so obvious that the Germans were really up to no good and that Hitler was really evil, that after they killed a bunch of Germans, they would sit on their bodies stacked and eat their lunch. Oh, God.
2: Ugh. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that's what happens in war, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Women get raped, children get killed. People, the soldiers just end up viewing the other side as less than human beings. and yeah. it really- have to it really dehumanizes people. I mean, do you guys remember that story about the kill team in Afghanistan that came out and uh, was it Rolling Stone or something like that? They did an sure. expose and it was basically this guy, um, there was some platoon or something like that. And they, they had orders to kill um, these kids that they thought there were kids in there somewhere who were planting IEDs or like somehow trying to bomb the American troops. And, they would cut off their fingers and use them as trophies and take pictures of them holding them up and stuff. And it just the most gruesome atrocities oh. you could possibly imagine, the most dehumanizing things you could ever think of. That's what that's what war
1: is. And the dogs. Remember the dogs? Which dogs are you referring
0: to? Well, they, they were killing dogs for fun. Oh, that yeah. was in Iraq, yes. Yeah, so in there Iraq. were videos of it. Um, you know, So anybody saying that that didn't happen, you know, yeah. And let's happen.
2: not forget Abu Ghraib, of yeah. course. I'm a dog person.
0: <laughs> Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE.
3: Another innovative American made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9. Free Talk Live, 855 450
0: free. That's 855 450 3733. This is Mark with you. And Wayne. And Stephanie. When you get a second, go over to cam.freetalklive.com. At uh, cam.freetalklive.com, you can see the the studio webcam where we are waving (laughs) at it. And and now as we speak, also there's a little chat room there that allows you to get a little more participatory with the show. It's cam.freetalklive.com. And how big is the debt crisis really? Prepare to be dumbfounded. Go to learnliberty.org slash FTL, that's FTLs and Free Talk Live and see Anthony Davies' explanation of the magnitude of the US debt. It's a little over a minute long, and it's stupefying. You must see it. When you're there, check out the Liberty Academy link on the right hand side of the page. It's a course for people who want free online continuing ed- education in economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. You'll be smart-founded. You'll <laughs> so be smart-founded and dumb-founded I was time. thinking
2: that, too, the word stupefying.
0: <laughs> stupefying. <laughs> Let's go to Darian in Ohio. Darian? Um, it's
4: Aaron. Okay. <laughs> Got the name wrong. Um, I just uh, wanted to... Uh, send my condolences to Ian. Uh, I feel a little bad that he's in prison for a real BS reason, and I just uh, wanted to uh, tell some of your uh, fellow Free Talk Live listeners about a, a little page on Facebook that I created, uh, just, you know, where people can talk and about it and stuff like that and, and support to let them know that we're all know that we're behind him and supporting him through this uh, ordeal of his.
0: Yeah, you give me a g- good chance to, to bring it up. We are on uh, day eight of uh, the the uh, the. The, the the show without Ian, I guess. Um, you know, this is uh, free talk live. Ian is normally in the the first chair. He is not. He's uh, in jail right now for standing in front of a police car. He felt that uh, an arrest was being made that was unjust, and he felt that he had to do something about it. So he is uh, got a ninety day sentence for that, which it seems to be. You know, there's other people did the same thing, and none of them got any sentences. Only Ian got a ninety day sentence, um, and. They went well beyond the right to a speedy trial situation. He was supposed to be with, brought to trial within six months. It was over a year. Mm-hmm. So there's some very interesting things about it. Darren, um, how does one find this uh, Facebook page to which you refer?
4: Okay, Excuse first me, of all, the name? Aaron. The name, yeah, okay. Okay, thanks, Mark. Um, the uh, Just go to Facebook and type in free Ian Freeman now. Okay. There you can find it. Yeah, um, I've a couple of your. I think a couple of uh, your well-known uh, Free Talk Live people, people who associate with you guys, are have already found. I think like Dave Riddle is on there. Okay. And uh, a few others. So yeah, and I gotta say, I, I was uh, looking. I was looking into this so when uh, Ian got arrested. I was immediately looked into it uh, why he was arrested. And I'm like, wow, for standing in front of a police car and uh, and the but- fact that he did this a year ago. It took him a whole year for this to go through. I mean, I've heard the saying that justice is blind. But if it's
0: blind, it's also really slow. Her terrible swift sword isn't so swift anymore. Uh, It's been dulled throughout the years, I guess. And the other thing I'd like to point out is I don't think that that cop was waylaid more than 60 seconds tops by Ian. So 90 days for delaying a police officer by 60 seconds seems... To be too, I, I think well, it's what they're really, doing.
2: It's really for the only true crime in America, which is contempt of cop, yeah, right? That's
0: that's, that's right. Uh, you know, not obeying the authorities mm-hmm. is uh, really what it all boils down to. Uh, Aaron, I appreciate you uh, doing what you've done, and um, you know, give us a call Great. when uh, when you've got something else uh, to report. Let's go to Dustin in Texas. Dustin, hi, how are you doing? Well. <clears throat>
5: Uh, I
6: was just uh, watching in on the cam there and listening to y'all's conversation. Y'all were discussing about the soldier who uh, took his own life. Yes. Um, that's very sad and unfortunate. Um, I was also kind of disturbed to see someone make a slight joke about the guy believing God could forgive him. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that's beside the point. But uh, as
1: uh, as a Who made a joke? Battery, yeah, I did. I, I mentioned I was. I didn't mean it to be a joke. I meant it to be more of a uh ironic it, battlefield humor yes I guess, yeah I understand.
6: Yeah. it just came across as a little insensitive, but hey you know what we're free to say what we want in this country um but as a as a veteran i've been over in iraq and thank god i didn't have to shoot anybody i never uh got blown up i never got shot at um i went over there back in 2008 and i, I can just tell you the fraud and the waste is is disgusting what these people you know uh I made more money going over there and spending uh, uh, nine months over there, than I have my entire adult life.
7: Um,
6: wow. You know, and and the simple fact that someone had to go over there nine different times or eight different times—that's uh, more than people went over in Vietnam. Yeah, you
8: know? it's it's incredible. I
6: mean, and and I, I just don't, um, you know, I, is the, the, the is a normal
0: is deployment nine months now, Dustin?
6: Um, well, it depends on if you're National Guard. If, if, if you're in active duty military, they knocked it down to twelve, but it's still oftentimes extended to fifteen months.
8: Yeah, but if it was you're eighteen. In,
6: uh, uh, yeah, but if you're in if you're in the uh, guard with train up time and everything included, it's only one year, so you only spend about nine months in country. But the the one thing that y'all touched on, that um, y'all were talking about, that he could just refuse. Uh, i'd like to explain something and maybe some misnomers about the way the military works is a they you know the, they're really, they're never proactive in their solutions they're always reactive
8: right. if mm-hmm. someone
6: gets shot in a training area or if something bad happens then they have to have some sort of policy you know to to do a little cya and that's all it's about that's why there's so many rules and regulations in the army it's just it's just Basically, being in the army is like living under a socialist or communist environment.
0: Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it's just you, like that. <laughs> you have
6: no choice. You're completely controlled by the government. You know, I used to make the analogy that when I was in the army full time, that it was more akin to being in prison because we're all the same. And then the sergeants are just the guards and the officers are the uh, prison administrators.
2: Yeah. Um, and so, one of the things that they do is try to kind of strip you of your individuality. Right, Dustin?
6: Yeah, you know, you keep it. I kept it while I was in. But the main point that I was making is that if you try to go and get help, then you're marked. Sure. Uh, if you go say, hey, I'm having mental problems or, hey, I may do this, then everybody's got to react. they got to watch you. they got to treat you differently. They'll blackball you on promotions. They'll take away your stuff. If you're lucky, you can get out of there with disability, and then, then they'll probably give you 100% disability, and you'll never be able to own a gun, and uh, and you won't be able to work. So uh, guys who are feel trapped like that, they know the alternative because they 've seen other people try it, and they they 've seen the outcome and and then also obviously, the guy had a lot of guilt because he probably did do some things that under peer pressure situations' there's just a lot of people they will not stand up and say no they won 't do what their
0: conscious morally oh, tells p- them peer pressure is incredible conscious. and people who who believe any differently are, are just not looking around them that much is true but one thing we've heard dustin on this show um, and many from many veterans that have uh, basically just walked away from their uh, you know their their contract with the government they just left and sometimes the government will pick them up and put them back and put them on uh, some kind of work duty for a few weeks until they process them out with some kind of less than honorable discharge, and I don't mean the actual discharge less than honorable. I mean some kind of discharge that is less than honorable. And you know, they they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, I got processed out, hasn't affected my life poorly. These people, they they aren't uh, you know disallowed from owning guns because they haven't been stamped you know with the the section eight, the the crazy stamp or whatever. So
6: actually, actually, um, I, I recently researched some gun laws, and apparently they've amended. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm in Texas, but from what I've seen as far as federally is concerned, if you have any type of dishonorable discharge, uh, you know, uh, not an other than honorable, but a dishonorable right. then, you know, and it's kind of stupid because it, it's not a felony. It's not, it's not a crime, but they still, you know, they, they take away, you can still vote, but they, they don't want you owning a gun. <laughs> and, uh,
0: that's, that's um, interesting. A dishonorable discharge usually comes with people who have been, uh, you know, received time in a military prison, right? I think this comes because
1: they're afraid of people becoming domestic terrorists if they're dishonorably suppose discharged. possible.
0: Like that's going to stop them. <laughs> yeah. Dustin, thanks for the call. 855-450-FREE. That's the Free Talk Live toll-free call in line. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. And it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855 450 FREE. Give us a call on the SACL CAI toll free line. That's 855 450 free. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, the main sponsor of Free Talk Live, does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. Their employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's Saquel CAI, and their banner is the top one on the right-hand side of the page at freetalklive.com. I want to go back into this article here from uh, kmonews.com, where they're talking about Staff Sergeant Hegeman, who had eight tours in Afghanistan, uh, I guess Afghanistan and Iraq, and he be, thought the best solution for whatever uh, was troubling him, I mean, it doesn't say that he was mentally ill here, but his wife believes that he committed suicide, um, was taking his own life. So go, we go on. Instead, on June 28, Ashley says her husband took a gun, shot himself in the head on base. She claims the Rangers never took his pleas for help seriously. There's oh, no way. Didn't.
2: What's that? Oh, but they didn't. What's that? But they didn't. They just want to ignore it. They they don't acknowledge it. They see it it being mental illness or psychological trauma, I don't even know if you could call it mental illness. It seems like a natural reaction to whatever this guy saw that was so horrible. They see it as a sign of weakness. And there's this culture in the military of, you know, you have to be manly and tough and real men don't experience that kind of thing, a negative reaction to to past trauma. But obviously... Everyone's a human being and yep. everyone does experience that. There was I
0: okay, so don't don't quote me on the uh the the university that uh that did this, but one of the military universities I tend to think West Point, but I'm not sure. We're a graduating class uh for its its um whatever motto, its motto they decided for themselves was going to be don't get PTSD, cause it. And Wow. You know, that it just kind of speaks to the bravado that goes into um, these situations. And, you know, I can totally see that. I mean, I can see having been young and and male and virile and, and you know, feeling that way and thinking that that was the best way to be, that um, –
2: well, how are you supposed to survive in an environment like that where everything around you is killing, you know, where where it's like literally eat or be eaten? That, that much that, is that's true. exactly what they're saying in that motto. These
0: guys chose that environment initially. I'm not saying that they uh, they didn't want to. Clearly, this uh, Sergeant Hegeman wanted to get out of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's uh, there's something about the mentality that that chooses it, too. And they, they got chose to say it, I had it.
2: But it could be. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it could be that they were just. That was the attitude that they were surrounded with their whole life, even before they got into the military. You know, a lot of these people um, come from unfortunate circumstances, too, where they may may not have had too many options after they got out of high school or maybe they were abused by their parents. And it was like, that's the mentality that they've always been in. Eat or be eaten, kill or be killed. And so it's a natural extension of that when they get into the military. And no wonder they come up with a slogan like that. It's really
0: sad. Going on with the article. Instead, on June 28th, Ashley says her husband, oh, excuse me, there's uh, no way that they um, should not have been able to pick up on it, Ashley says, when he's telling them he's reaching out about his uh, mental illness she's, she's talking about here, uh, caused by the post-traumatic stress disorder. We're, we're self-diagnosing. They don't actually use those words in the article, but it seems really obvious. <laughs> and on Friday, she found out she's not alone in wanting to speak out. Mary... Cork Hill Kirkland lost her son, Derek, to suicide more than a year ago. She says doctors in Madigan Hospital, Army Hospital, considered him a low risk for suicide despite three earlier attempts. They sent him back to his unit. Denial,
2: denial is a powerful thing. Mm
0: -hmm. He hanged himself. Mary says she thinks the Army basically killed her son. My son did not want to die. He wanted help. He was crying out for help, she says. Now Mary Kirkland is reaching out to Ashley Hageman in her grief. You're in good hands. You're not alone here, Mary tells her. So nice to meet somebody who understands, says Ashley. Thank you so much. KMO News has contacted the 75th Ranger Regiment about Hageman, but there's been no comment as of yet. The two women are joining forces with several veterans and active-duty soldiers to speak out about what's happened with Sergeant Kirkland and what's being done to prevent Further, soldier suicides. And as we've reported on these airwaves many time, there many times, there are more suicides in the Army than there are battlefield deaths. And that is incredible. I mean, it says that the toll, to me, what it says is that the toll on the battlefield is, is tremendous for these guys. I mean, I'm sure that some people, if you have a large enough group of people, you're just going to have some suicides. I mean, that much is, I suppose, a true statement. But... I you know it's I'll bet you the the percentage as of the population is significantly higher among those in, in the military. But
1: but you know World War One and World War Two you had armies fighting armies mostly, whereas since the Vietnam War it's more there's more guerrilla type wars going on where you're kind of fighting people between and, and, there, and there are civilians in between you very often, and that's a very difficult situation because those people do get hit. And, and it, is, it must be very difficult to see someone who could be your own son or daughter
0: lying on the, on the road dead in front of you. The civilian casualties, and uh, I read this in a book called uh, Nonviolence, the civilian casualties in World War I were 10 percent. By World War II, they were 66 percent in Iraq. There were about ninety-seven percent, from what I can uh, extrapolate from these numbers. The book did not say those numbers, wow. so I and mean,
2: it's difficult to even get accurate numbers on the Iraqi civilian sure. deaths because sometimes they're reported, but often those bodies are never even identified. Right, mm-hmm.
0: and the, the U.S. government itself said there were more than a hundred thousand. So, um, you know, that's
2: some estimates almost a million. I think I've seen.
0: I've seen numbers significantly higher, but you know, I'm, I'm sure the U.S. military was, was guessing low. They weren't taking into um, consideration people who are dying of dysentery and things like that, or,
1: or exposure to depleted uranium. Yeah, who, who don't die instantly, but they die a month or two
0: later. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to be dying for decades later from the depleted uranium in some of those places that they've. Uh, Not to mention our own soldiers who are being exposed to that too. Yeah. yeah.
2: What about the sanctions in the 1990s? Right with. Um Uh, What was the secretary general or something like that said that uh, it was worth it killing all those kids if, you know, they were blocking there were sanctions on exports from the U.S. to the Middle East. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, be, you know, and that's what really when it comes down to the sanctions, whether it's Iraq or anywhere, sanctions don't do anything to the leaders of those countries. No, the only thing that they might do that one might claim is that they will cause the the civilian population to rise up against their leaders. But the evidence for that is extraordinarily slim. Sanctions and blockades have been used throughout human history. And I would like to know of one. One uh, instance where they the you know, the, the civilians have risen up against their leaders because some other country put sanctions on them. The only thing I can think of is the uh, Kurdistan, Kurdistan the, the Kurds that rose up against Saddam Hussein when George Bush senior asked them to and then didn't support them militarily. That's all I can think of. Hmm. So, you know, he they, they lost that one. Big time.
2: Yeah. And it's a very old principle that countries who trade together don't go to war with each other. That's right. And so sanctions are completely anti to that.
0: And um, it's it's also a, um, you know, one thing that's sort of a truism is that uh, dem- democratic countries go to war with countries that have uh, sort of strong man leaders. They f- they feel this this uh, this feeling of superiority to the other country. Ah, those people, you know, that, that guy is, uh, you know, he's a dictator. Mm-hmm. And... Well, you know, I I suppose I feel that way. I generally feel that way. But it gives it gives them a better feeling about the people that they're killing. But
1: it's very interesting when you find that a lot of these these strongman dictators, when you see who's financing them and supporting them behind the scenes, the picture gets very, very
0: interesting. Well, um, I was uh, watching a video on YouTube the other day called Pirates and Emperors. And it's done in the schoolhouse rock style. It's very cool. And in it, it's got Uncle Sam, who just keeps on having breakups with Osama bin Laden. He breaks up with Saddam Hussein. He breaks up with Manuel Noriega. He keeps on breaking up with these bad guys that used to be on his payroll, but now now they're the bad guys. And it's amazing what an incredibly bad judge of character. Because the bad guy said no. <laughs> right. I mean... That's, something. At yeah. some point they get minds of their own or they're, you know, they've done stuff, stuff, stuff that's so horrible that uh, then the, the military goes after them. But, the, you know, this is these were CIA operatives. A lot I, of them. I mean, this is <laughs> these these were guys that were getting money and weapons from the United States of America. And it's amazing how many of these people that uh, that that they have problems with later, maybe. If they stopped you know having you know getting into bed with these guys like this, they would stop having the problems. It's amazing how much backlash there's been from all the the involvement the intelligence communities have had in the middle east and, and in Latin America. but they don't stop. they're oh, not yeah. going to stop. They're, they're even more and more involved in your life every day. You know, it it seems unlikely to me that uh, all this electronic information is flying back and forth and that the United States government isn't trying to capture information out of it.
2: Blowback is real. And to bring this full circle to the Ron Paul thing, I don't know. He's the only one who's saying that. And it's no wonder the troops are supporting him.
0: talk live 855 450 FREE you can give us a call on the toll free sickle t- toll free line that's 855 450 free and uh, you know we spent the last hour talking about sort of uh, military stuff and and uh, the wars going on overseas and suicides among Infantry people and things like that. Let's go on to something that's a little bit uh, lighter, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Stephanie, um, what's going on with in California regarding Amazon?
2: Well, some very interesting stuff. And I don't know if all of our listeners have been listening for the past few months, but just be, just to give people a little bit of background on this story, I think it was approximately a month ago that California, the state of California, known for being one of the worst Kind of police, big government, nanny states um, out there passed a tax that was aimed at forcing out-of-state online retailers to collect sales tax for California to people who are buying things uh, out of California. So if they- I,
0: it had something to do with the affiliates too, isn't that right? Their mm-hmm. um, their affiliates in California or something. Yeah, they're trying to figure out because this is what it's been bothering state governments. All along is most of them get their revenue from sales tax in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And how do we deal with people that are buying things from out of state and having them shipped in? How do we collect that revenue? They want it. They don't know how to get it. And they're trying to come up with ways to do it. And, and somehow or another, they, uh, the Amazon tax that they uh, instituted in California, and I'm sure bureaucrats across the United States and world were keeping a close eye on its implementation, Yep. Um, you know, so that they could figure out how to do it, too. California is a very interesting ca- uh, case. It is, I believe, the eighth largest economy in the world. If it were a country, yeah. it would be the eighth largest economy in the world. It is practically its own nation in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. And so it believed that it had the the power to, you know, make these big companies pay sales tax to it.
2: Yeah. And it was actually got the nickname the Amazon tax because it was kind of so um, targeted towards Amazon. And they did have a big kind of reaction that they came out with when California first announced this policy, saying that they were going to be dropping all of their affiliates in California because they couldn't afford to keep up with complying with these regulations and essentially turning into an unpaid tax collector for the state of California.
0: Yeah, sure. That's exactly what it is. And that's the what for- all sales tax is. The 14th Amendment of the United States government says that, uh, you know, there shall be no involuntary servitude. And to me, that's what it is. When I'm required to do accounting work to, you know, for the government, that's involuntary servitude. If if you want money from me, tell me how much money you want from me. Don't have me fill out some forms in, you know, the, the stack of forms in order to figure out how much money I owe you. That's me being your account slave.
2: Oh, well, funny enough, Mark. You were just talking about that, and I was thinking of individual federal income tax returns, right, where they make you keep track of how much money you've earned and then fill out a paper explaining and calculating how much you owe them and then, of course, pay them. Well, I And then they'll check over your work, and if you
0: get it wrong, they throw you in jail for signing something that uh, wasn't true.
2: Well, exactly, but here's the kicker. There are some people who say that the income tax, the federal income tax is voluntary and that you can get around it by filing a zero return and or so forth and doing all kinds of tricks or just not filing a return or other things like that. Well, the IRS came out with a statement that I read in response to those claims, and they said that the word voluntary in their statute, it does say that it's voluntary, but the, the word voluntary means that you calculate how much you owe them instead of them calculating it from your income. So they're, twist, the, they're mean, just legalese. They're twisting yeah, around the, the well,
0: name it, word. I'm compl- sorry, Wayne. Uh, you're, you're, for some reason, I didn't push the button on your mic. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, it's a system of voluntary compliance. And yes, you are assessing yourself based on their formulas and their, their lines and their forms. But the word, the word voluntary has been thrown around for many years regarding the IRS, but nobody really knows what it means.
2: Yeah, well, because voluntary redefining. compliance sounds
0: right to me. Yeah. I mean, you can choose whether or not you obey any laws. So yes, I guess all of the laws um, in in this nation have to do with voluntary compliance. And I would I would question if then d- didn't all the laws in the the worst despotic organization government out there weren't they voluntary too by that definition? If so, why? What was the need for the word
2: voluntary in that statute? Are you gentlemen familiar with the term Hobson's choice? <laughs> I, I Certainly
0: it is. It's a choice that's not a
2: choice at all. Exactly right. It, there was supposedly this guy, Hobson. I looked up the etymology once and he had a stable and he said, well, either you can pay what I asked to ride this horse or you can not ride a horse. And so that was his choice. Yes. <laughs> so it's a choice where it's really not a choice.
0: Indeed. Yeah. Let's go to Kevin in Indianapolis. Uh, Kevin.
9: I, I've got a couple of points I can talk about real quick. I've prepared taxes, so. I'm familiar with the federal exempt status. Sorry to
2: hear that. (laughs) Well,
9: I understand. Um, But the Amazon situation is so incredibly pertinent to Indianapolis because we are bending over backwards to open up a new center for them here. And the state doesn't care about collecting tax for them or anything. They're not going to. Ah, uh, they're giving them all type of tax abatement so they can move in and not have to pay any tax for the near future. Sorry, Kevin, Indiana. when
2: you said we are bending over backwards, can you just clarify who who are you talking about? Oh, Who's we, we
9: meaning the state of Indiana, the state okay. of Indiana. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know the states. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so,
2: so you're happy to see
0: Amazon come? I would be. I'm sure they're uh, going to be providing uh, jobs awesome. and stuff.
9: It's awesome. And then also we are huge into the uh, FedEx is building. Uh, on at our new airport, and they're they're gonna that's going to be the largest FedEx hub in the world because uh, Memphis is landlocked. So, and they're going to take over the old airport space. It, it's uh, Indianapolis has been dubbed as one of the super cities of the future.
0: Is Indianapolis not landlocked?
9: Well, I'm not not the airport, not not where they're go- not the airport. That's okay. what I'm talking about. You have to, you'd have to go out and see the airport to, to understand what I'm talking about. FedEx is going to be able to expand. Way beyond. There, there's plenty of area air out there. From, I see
0: what you're saying. From, there's room to build. Gotcha. For, I was thinking you were that, talking yeah. about rivers or something, and I'm, I'm.
9: Oh no! Well, you know, rivers went out with the 18th.
0: Right. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> A couldn't think of the river that goes through Indianapolis, and um, B couldn't so think of river, why it mattered.
9: White River. That's a famous river. here. Okay. Right great. Though. Um. But the, the the taxes it's an interesting situation because. In Indiana, you can file exempt status as long as the year before you did not have to pay federal tax. So that's what a lot of people are doing, but they're going to get caught because of the fact that they are going to owe federal tax, and they're going to receive W-2s, and it's going to state that. But the Indiana, you cannot legally file exempt on the Indiana portion of the tax. So you're going to owe basically 5.5% on whatever you've earned. Now, the trick is, of course— your state taxes is adjusted for your adjusted gross income. So whatever you pay the state, on the adjusted gross income on the back of the top line on page two, that's what you owe the
2: state. You know, my I wonder, eyes have glazed over. You're
0: saying that yeah. uh, Indianapolis is going to be this uh, big city of the the future, and I really just wonder I mean, when when Indian, Indiana is competing with a five percent uh, income tax, probably a sales tax, um, likely a property tax that's uh, prohibitive too. You know, how are they going to compete with states like say New Hampshire, where there is no income tax, there um, is no sales tax? Geographics,
9: geographics, mm-hmm. geographics. Plus, that matters plus, no plus they the corporation taxes is going to be incredibly low and say they receive abatements where they don't pay any any corporate tax for 10 20 30 years
0: that is one it, way that uh, government bureaucrats can um can can give uh, you know get companies to come by is by giving bait and switch one surf advantages over other surfs so <laughs> i mean you've got to pay your taxes but the uh you know the the, the these uh, right. these corporations if you start a corporation you've got to pay taxes for it but this bigger corporation doesn't have to because it built uh, it built its company up in some other place and now is moving over there, taking right. those the advantages 40, with it.
9: In the late 40s, we had Western Electric. We had Ford Motor Company. We had GE. We had Chrysler with huge plants out on the east side, and those died a slow death in the 80s and 90s. And now we're coming in with medicals. So we're going to have a huge medical center on in, in the downtown area that's going to rival the uh, Herman Center in, in uh,
1: Houston, Texas. All
0: right. Well, get the Chamber of Commerce to put some ads on Free Talk Live. Thanks for the call,
1: Kevin. I appreciate it. You know, Indiana
0: is listed as, as one of the five states to
1: weather this financial storm by Addison Wigan. He does a newsletter uh, called the Apogee
0: Advisory. New Hampshire and Indiana are two of the five of of those states. Indiana was raised was rated high on the Mercatus Center's uh, you know most free states. Nah, doesn't have the well, free compared state project. To the surrounding states though, it's
1: probably doing much better relatively.
0: That much is true. Eight five five four five zero free. Thanks very much. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Give us a call. Talk about what you want to talk about. You know that cigarettes will kill you, and you've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will already save about $120 a month, so you already start being richer, feeling better, smelling better. What else could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with the coupon code FTL, and you'll get a free starter kit. Plus, since it's an order over $60, you'll get free shipping. Um, It's actually $69, uh, $70, somewhere in there. You can call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR, Vaporsmiths.com. This is one of the best-made e-cigarettes available on the market today, and... You can get it for free with the purchase of forty cardamizers. Use coupon code FTL at Vaporsmiths dot com. And let's go directly to Hannah in Connecticut. Hannah.
10: Um so I wanted to talk about something that uh Stephanie and Mark you guys were discussing um a few days ago. Okay. Uh Namely, uh, spanking and, and disciplining kids. Well, more just discipline in general.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was on Saturday evening, there was a gentleman who called in that um, said, the, the statement, like, maybe I don't have entirely what his meaning was, but the statement was something to the effect of, you need to spank your children in order for them to be godly. And The since, Bible
2: commands us to do so, and right. he didn't have a logical leg to stand on, Hannah. He was just reciting whatever he heard. And since I,
0: um, with my child, have not um, obeyed the dictates of a 2,000 to 4,000-year-old Iron Age document that suggests that I, uh, you know, would by sparing the rod, I am spoiling my child, I just haven't felt that the need to to spank. I don't think that whatever situation um, we've been able to handle, he's three, what's he going to do? You know, so, um, you know, we, we use timeouts and, and other form, forms of discipline at, at this up to this point. So what do you have to say about it, Hannah?
10: Well, I I would even go so far as to say that all forms of discipline, even timeouts and and even using extrinsic rewards for kids, are actually detrimental to their development.
2: Hannah's been Um, reading Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn, right, Hannah?
10: I have, yes. Well, actually listening.
2: (laughs) Awesome. i listening to
10: uh, Wes Bertrand's Complete Liberty series on that.
2: Highly Um, recommended.
10: Yeah, me too, yeah. Yeah. so I think it's it's really important to first determine what your goal is in raising a child. If your goal is to just modify their behavior um, and kind of train them like a dog, then, then yeah, discipline is a great tool for getting them to obey. But it's really not addressing the needs of the kids. It's not getting in touch with what they're needing when, when they're acting a certain way. Um, and a lot of times kids and adults will lash out they'll say really mean things or they'll maybe they'll even be kind of violent um because they they have some unmet need and they don't know how to express it in a productive way
1: so
0: like chimpanzees and, huh they sound like chimpanzees to me well what's that have to do with that? i mean what kind of needs chimpanzees that they can't meet well they sometimes they they all of a sudden get violent towards each other i see
2: well but children I mean children i think we would all agree they need things right they need attention affection love hard to to say food, otherwise. sleep but sometimes they may not be able to express those needs in an articulate way like even some adults can't express them in an articulate way, right? But yeah, exactly. T- to some extent, and
0: um, you know, being the um, you know, the only parent currently of a uh, of a toddler in this conversation, I mean, Jane, Wayne, you have two kids, and so you can appreciate this probably to some extent. I can
2: appreciate it too. I was a kid.
0: Well, I don't know that you can. What <laughs> I I'm going to say here is that kids are very um uh, they're needy when it comes to attention they need a lot of attention and they you know it's difficult to, for them to get it by a, sort of an evolutionary imperative of a child is to be the most important thing in the minds and hearts of their parents to the exclusion of everything else cuz that way they get cared for and they get uh, you know taken care of and all the things that they need being a smaller weaker individual in a uh, a group setting So what that results in is, you know, kids constantly need need and want the attention of an adult and they can't always get it. So they don't necessarily go off and play on their own, as one might imagine. Um, you know I what I believe when my son Jack acts out um, you know he'll tend he he tends to uh, you know do things to the dog he'll hit it with sticks um, hit hit my poor fruit loop with sticks or he <laughs> chases her with this big uh, this big ball that uh, my wife does exercises on a resist a ball or something I, like that I can see it <laughs> and you know the, the dog is he a little freaky anyway and you know being chased with a big rubber ball um, you know upsets her and you know he pokes her with forks and he does all kinds of things to uh, to this dog and i can only assume that means he's bored and wants the attention of an adult but really how much attention can a kid who is the only child in the house uh, possibly get from parents i mean you know my wife's doing puzzles with him all the time reading to him all the time and when he's not getting her attention the you know the the 20 percent of the time that she's not, that uh she's not paying attention to him that he's awake He's doing things at times that are naughty. And what well, does maybe, one do?
2: Maybe, um, I, th- I think a lot of people, when they say naughty, I understand, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's really frustrating when that happens. It's yeah, like, like well, a, how do, do take I take the,
0: you know, like, let's take the dog out and shoot it so you can't mess with him anymore. Uh, you know, I yeah, mean, like, I it's saw, really frustrating.
2: I bet it sometimes feels like you're like at the end of your rope, like, how do we get the dog and Jack to get along? But, you know, maybe he, maybe he isn't, um, maybe his needs for attention are met and maybe he's simply just curious what about happen. what happens
0: to the dog when you stick a fork in it. Yeah, so, so like, you
2: can give him that clarity that he's needing and explain. How much
0: clarity? How how many times? This isn't something that started well, this month.
2: Sometimes kids need very much patience and, and loving explanation over and over again. And I wonder what this would be like if this
0: was a brother or a sister uh, that he's, mm-hmm. you know, sticking, hitting in the head with a, with a stick and mm-hmm. poking with forks and, um, chasing around with things that, it, that frighten them. And, eh, you know, I mean that, to, <laughs> you know, at some point it would seem like discipline might be an order in this situation. But you yeah, know that, what,
10: well, what what I was going to just say about that is, um, uh, yeah, like, discipline is a, a good quick fix. If you want a child to stop doing something that you don't like and, and easily resolve a conflict in the short term, then, yeah, that's a great solution. But it's it's still really not addressing what's going on in the kid.
0: But and how do you know what's not, going on? Like, I'm just um, guessing that Jack wants attention. And the kids yeah. Yeah. don't come with owner's manuals. Okay. Yeah. So empathi- empathizing with a three-year-old who, <laughs> who communicates on the level of, you know, uh, uh, green, you know, Jack wants beans, or you know, like he, his 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 uh, communication skills are are pretty rudimentary. Are you feeling point. hungry, Jack? Right. Um. I, he's not poking the dog with a fork because he's hungry. I don't think.
2: Well, right, but if he says I want beans, or if he cries right, around I lunchtime, got, I've maybe. got the
0: simple stuff down. I haven't figured out from a psychological standpoint why he keeps hitting the dog in the head with a stick. So
2: guess, ask but, him, Mark. What it? I'm sorry. What is punishing teacher teach Jack?
0: I, I would assume that it would teach, the, teach him, you know, we, we warn him, you know, you're going to go to timeout if you keep hitting honey, Just quit chasing honey, you're going to go to timeout. And, I, you know, I've, I've read this same stuff that you're talking about, Hannah, and I've got to say that I am without answers when it comes to you know, the hows and the whys. I mean, it, it might be a really interesting way to sell a course or something like that or, or benefit the world, but how am I supposed to know how to, to uh, you know, figure out what the three-year-old needs emotionally so he'll leave the damn dog alone? <laughs> you want to hold through the break, Hannah? Oh,
10: uh, sure. Thanks.
0: Okay. We'll be right back. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've been uh, talking to Hannah in Connecticut about uh, the value of spanking and actually any intrinsic – was that the term? Intrinsic forms of uh, discipline for children
2: not really (laughs) no that's not the term well we'll we'll ask
0: her in just a second first off you know that the u.s dollar is devaluing and you can see it happening every day you know that at some point a new currency will take over wouldn't you like to be on the ground floor of that currency bitcoins they could be that currency they're a decentralized anonymous internet currency they're free to use free to accept and free from inflation forever you can see them anywhere in the world find out more you can use them anywhere in the world, excuse me, and you can see more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in the month. Your dollars are going down. Bitcoins, well, they've, there's been a little rise in them here recently. They're at uh, 1090. Learn more about bitcoins at weusecoins.org. Let's go back to Hannah in Connecticut. Hannah?
10: Hey, yeah. So, Mark, I just wanted to say that I, I can totally understand, you know, your concern for your child, and, and I think, that you and many other parents really want what's best for your kid and, and you want to teach them, you know, good from bad. And my, my main concern about punishment, I think you're, like, you and a lot of other parents are coming from the right place, but my concern is that it doesn't teach the kid what you're attempting to teach him like it like punishing your kid doesn't teach him that sticking a fork in the dog is hurting the dog and that that's the reason he shouldn't do it it's teaching him that if he does this he's gonna get punished so he shouldn't do it or else
2: and then once the punishment is removed or the reward for good behavior is removed then the kid has less of an incentive to behave good right
10: exactly and it's similar with uh offering rewards for kids um I teach piano to a bunch of little kids, and I used to give out stickers when they would practice, you know, and do what I wanted them to do, and, you know, that would sometimes work to get, you know, that would, I would would be able to successfully modify their behavior so they would do what I want, but I noticed that they weren't really intrinsically motivated to be learning piano, and so I stopped doing that, and I really started focusing on what are they interested in, what sort of music do they want to learn? And a lot of times, you know, we won't get things accomplished that I hope to get accomplished during the lesson, but it's much more rewarding because I can tell that they're much more engaged. They're really enjoying it, and they're getting an intrinsic reward from the experience as opposed to just a little sticker.
0: Okay. So, um, you know, what What I'm – and I think that that might be true as far as uh, – you know behavior modification goes in this way, but you know what I'm seeing is is if you're having a behavior that is bad as opposed to um you know kids you know perhaps not being as motivated by piano lessons, but if you're having a behavior that is bad, how do you stop a child from having a bad behavior by trying to figure out what it is that that motivates them getting in their heads and uh you know seeing because i mean i don't know i I tend to ascribe to Jack's actions as it's funny and interesting what the dog does when I hassle it?
10: Yeah, well, first you have to figure out what's going on inside of you. I mean, if if a child is doing something that you don't like, you have to empathize with yourself and figure out, you know, what am I feeling and what need of mine isn't being met by this child's behavior and and not look at it as the child doing something naughty or the child being bad. It's It's really just their behavior is stimulating something inside of you. And once you can kind of take that, you know, that blame off of the other person, then I think it's easier to try to figure out what's going on with them and how can we deal with the situation so that, you know, no one's getting hurt um, and without, you know, punishing anyone and just to kind of end the conflict. Like maybe a solution for Jack stabbing the dog is maybe when he does that, just remove the dog from the room. Put him you know, walk him in a different room for some amount of time, and just just to keep for the sake of keeping him away from your child, not for the sake of punishing Jack.
0: Or well, I wonder how the dog's going to react to that because, you know, does, does the dog think it's being punished uh, for, you know, running away when the, dog tries to, when the kid tries to stab it? And then what does one do if this is a situation with two, two toddlers rather than a toddler and a dog? I mean, you know, do you remove the one toddler that hasn't done anything from the situation or do you t- tell the toddler who has done something, um, has aggressed upon his neighbor that uh, they need to sit silently uh, by themselves for, for three minutes?
10: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most important thing is just making sure that your kids are safe. But once that's been taken care of... But that's
0: then, that's yeah. really the bottom line issue here, San- <laughs> Hannah. I'm trying to make sure that everybody is safe by taking care of the person that hits people with sticks <laughs> and pokes them with forks. <laughs> you know, Mark, this is interesting because
1: uh, my son is very similar in this way. And in, you, you mentioned earlier that he spends a lot of time with his mom, but maybe he's doing it because he wants your attention. Because he spends a lot of time with
0: mom, and he, he gets was, a lot of dad. Is, he gets he gets a heck of a lot more dad attention than most kids do, and I, that's yeah. the thing is that I'm I'm talking about is the kids are kind of attention sponges. They're 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 made to be that way. That you can't give them enough attention. Well, so maybe that.
2: maybe you're needing more free time or more peace at home, Mark, than you're getting.
0: I, I the dog's getting stabbed with a fork, Stephanie. What's that have to do with my free time? Well, because <laughs> well, you you think
2: that maybe Jack is placing demands on your level of time that you can spend doing work or whatever instead of spending time with him i think that he would take as
0: much time as i gave him Uh, Mm -hmm. whether that was reading books or building he loves you know he loves reading books and building things and doing puzzles and he would love me to sit there and do them with him Mm -hmm. but you know i mean i think that there's a lesson to be learned in life which is that somebody's not going to always think that what you're doing is the most interesting thing around
2: sure and you can't always meet jack's needs for attention and that's part of the reason i guess why you have a partner there to help take it's care of it's a desire
0: a- for attention mm-hmm. um like it's not a need the, ki- the kid's needs are met but well in, you can ex- call
2: it either spades.
1: one it, it's also <laughs> difficult to work at home when you have a toddler too because they see you as daddy they don't True. see you as daddy Absolutely. at work and there's that, that gray area when you work at home is very
0: difficult it's okay if you live by yourself or at this you- point he can't open the door to the office <laughs> so, Does he knock? well he, he certainly will make noises when he wants to get in, and usually i 'll let him in if you know for a few minutes to to talk about things and um, but when he starts wanting to play with the uh, equipment in the room that's a, that that begins to be a problem
2: you know yeah. i I received an email over the last break by someone who's also kind of knowledgeable about this these kind of parenting Do they have a kid yes they have two kids oh thank god this, uh, <laughs> the advice
0: the advice of people without children for how we should raise ours. Is- <laughs> Always, uh, I, I imagine it can be grating for some.
2: Well, it sounds like you think it's grating. I do. When I try to talk about children. I, do. <laughs> I think that I, I think it's tough on people that have
0: kids to listen to people who don't to think that you know, like that, the, like the advice on how to raise kids here, you know, from from the the we on high giving theoretical advice um, down to you in the trenches. Um, you, you know, he, we are gifting you
2: with the the golden eggs. Yeah, well, all well, of us I were mean, children at some point. It's
10: That's exactly. I think Stephanie, that's a really good point. Like, you don't have to be on the giving end of discipline to understand its effects.
2: Absolutely, you know? Hannah. Um,
10: and, you know, I mean, I've I've babysat. Oh, I know that's not the same as, same as here. having raised a child, but i babysat. I teach a lot of kids. I I'm mm-hmm. witnessed, you know, parents interacting with kids really often and and yeah, Mark, I can understand it it might seem a little condescending coming from me, someone who doesn't
2: have a child, but I guess it's, it's, I don't think... Hannah, you may have children at some point, right? You may have children at at one point, right? So you're taking the time to educate yourself about... And I took,
0: believe me, I formed my opinions on what it's like to parent before I had kids. I think that it's a great thing to do it. Um, You know, it just, I... You know, it's an age old thing where those without, um, you know, there's there's perspective in having kids and to claim that there's not it doesn't seem to be looking at reality. I mean, you I don't know, think
2: anyone claims that nobody, you know, that you don't have a perspective because you have a, a child you know, I, I just think that it doesn't invalidate what people are saying just because they don't have don't, children of their own. I don't think it's invalid. I think it is less valid because they don't have the entire
0: perspective of the situation. Everybody has been a child. Everybody who's old enough to do a radio program and listen to a radio program has been a child. But not all of them have been parents. Hannah, um, I appreciate the call. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 855 450 free. It's a sickle, toll free line. Give us a call. Go check out the AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, as you probably know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, our main host, Ian, is off in jail, serving a sentence of 90 days for standing in front of a police car for that he felt was arresting a police officer, uh, the car of a police officer that he felt was arresting someone unjustly. And, you know, frankly, Things have gotten a little harder to do around here. Your $3 a month in the AMP program could be quite helpful. It's amp.freetalklive.com. We've got perks for you. There's all kinds of little bonuses, including a commercial-free podcast, an AMP call-in line, and more. It's amp.freetalklive.com.
2: And are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Yeah. (laughs) I was, too, when I lived in Massachusetts. But luckily, I lived... uh, I lived in California. (laughs) I bet you were, too. I hated it. And Mark lived in Florida, right? And all of us have moved to New Hampshire in search of greater freedom. And if this is an idea that interests you, you should go to freestateproject.org and check out what they're all about. It is an organization that's encouraging liberty-loving people to move to New Hampshire and get active for more freedom in their lifetimes.
0: Let's go to Joe in Virginia. Joe.
12: Hey Mark, how you doing?
0: Well. What can I do for you?
12: Um uh I um
8: get to the point just now. I
12: wanted to say if your <laughs> if your dog is or if your child is stabbing your dog with a fork and reasoning with him um hasn't quite worked, perhaps a swat on the fanny might help.
2: No. I disagree. These are things that I've thought.
1: I've wondered. I've thought those things,
0: too. But at this point, I haven't exhausted the timeout uh, situation to my mind. Joe, can I ask you a question?
2: Yes, ma'am. Do you think that hitting a child can teach him not to hit or not to be violent? Do you think that's a good way to teach that?
12: A little little swat on the butt will certainly teach him not to stick a fork in a dog.
2: Don't you think it's the same as using violence to teach him to be nonviolent? Doesn't that seem a little bit incompatible?
12: How can you you reason with a three-year-old?
2: Well, a lot of patience. And I think that kids deserve their parents' patience and empathy. Mm. You know, oftentimes when people think of kids as, as bad or, you know, evil or whatever... Oh, um, no, no, they're, no, they're often no, just no, no. not obeying what the parents are wanting them to do. And right, yeah, in this, right.
12: but, but perhaps, but, uh, you know, sticking a, a fork in a dog could cause harm to the dog.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's, that's hurting the dog. And of course there he's are three cases and that
0: hasn't, you know, like he doesn't have, it doesn't seem to have the strength to really do anything, um, as far as the, the weapons of implements go. But, you know, I would like to, uh, forestall this behavior before he gets stronger.
2: Sure. Let me read. I have this, I have this email that I received during the last break and applying to this, Current situation. Is from this. Solo- a short email? Very short. Yep. Okay. It's three it's different suggestions of what... Talking to Joe right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's three different suggestions. I'm, I'm and- listening, Michelle. I'm that- not Michelle. This I'm Stephanie. Stephanie. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Thanks. Um, so this is three different suggestions of what a parent might do with a kid who is hurting a dog. Okay. And this is from a person who has two children. So the first one is ask Jack why he's hitting the dog or why he's stabbing the dog. And have you ever tried that, Mark?
0: I don't think he's got the verbal skills for it, but I'll be happy to do that the next time.
2: Okay. What about uh, like guessing? Like, are you hitting the dog because you're curious what'll happen, or do you think he could understand a question like that?
0: I don't know. I don't think he'll get much of an answer. when mm-hmm. When I try to get down on his level, he'll look away. He'll look down. He refuses to meet me as far as eye contact goes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I get him to repeat, "Don't hit the dog," and that's really about you know generally how things go.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you think if that- you hit
0: the dog, you're going to go in timeout? You know, like I've, I have him repeat that.
2: Uh-huh. Do you think that he may be feeling a little bit of shame when he looks down or something?
0: I think he doesn't want to meet my eyes because he knows what he's been doing is wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. is is unacceptable behavior.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So the second suggestion from this person was, what about asking Jack how the dog feels when he hits it or hurts it?
0: I think we've talked about that. Mm-hmm.
2: And what can you just recap? He doesn't have
0: he doesn't have these verbal skills. I mean, there's different three year olds or different levels of verbal skills. And and frankly,
12: verbal skills, it's reasoning, too. Yeah, I
0: I, I think that's I think that goes along with it. Um, You know, I I don't know what the reasoning power of any three year old is. And it seems like it's mitigable comparative to an adult. But I think that they also, you know, I think they do understand more than often they can express verbally.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And also, how are they supposed to learn how to reason if nobody ever tries to teach them? It yeah, may take it may take some number of attempts so and well,
12: then hopefully the dog won't try to get that across to him by taking a little nip out of him
2: yeah, <laughs> does the dog ever retaliate? The dog doesn't okay.
0: Oh, that's good that's good that the yeah. dog doesn't bite him, but it is you know that what what am I teaching my child by not getting the message across to him that you don't hit dogs and heads um, dogs and heads with sticks mm-hmm. when I mean it's not like this is the only dog he ever comes across. The neighbor's dogs do come by t- from time to time. there are other neighbors' dogs I mean has he ever tried to be that way with other dogs? Yep, you better believe he has mm-hmm. and I think he probably has the expectation that other dogs will react as the, as his dog has mm. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing as a parent for him by allowing him to, you know, do things that will get him bitten by other dogs? Yeah, he Mm -hmm. may
12: just need to learn.
2: Joe?
0: I'm here.
12: Oh,
2: Oh, there we go. Cut out for a minute.
12: No, no, that was my call waiting going off. I I was just saying, you know, he may very well learn on his own by interacting with uh, a dog that doesn't take so kindly to that kind of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And have you ever tried and to and explain I, and that, and Mark? The
12: reason I, I, I'm certainly not recommending, you know, you know, beating him bloody, but a little swat on the fanny with a paddle to get him to stop doing it now may, may prevent him from getting bit later on.
2: You he could. Hey, Joe, if if you, um, I'm not sure how old you are, but, you know, at some point... I'm 46. Okay. Well, you know, at some point everybody gets older and sometimes older people start to lose their cognitive skills and their ability to reason. You know, is it okay to hit an old person because they can't understand what you're saying?
12: No, no of course not. I'm a registered nurse, of course, you know, and I, of course I agree with you on that point.
2: So, how is a child different than that?
12: Well, um, they don't have
2: the same cognitive skills as an adult has.
12: Yeah, yes, but they they are expected to increase in their cognitive skills as to as opposed to declining, and and certainly anyone you know, that, that understands this can see that this is an older person who is losing their mind, uh, uh, nothing of their own fault. But uh, Well, you know, it's not the I mean, child's
2: I, fault that they don't have developed well, cognitive oh, skills no, no, yet. No, I no,
12: understand, no, I, I understand that. But the reality of the situation is if, if, if he keeps doing this kind of thing, one of these days he's going to come across a dog that um, doesn't like this and he's going to get a chomp taken out
1: of him. Yeah, I, I hear. To, yeah, a lot of kids get bitten in the face by dogs.
2: I hear the concern for, for his safety, I really do, but if you hit him, he's guaranteed to get hurt. You understand that?
12: Well, I'm well, not talking about beating him bloody.
2: Right. You, you, but you, you, the you realize the psychological pain that comes from hitting and the inhibitory effect it has oh, on God, brain yeah. development. Of
12: course, I, of course I do. After you know, nine years of uh, grammar school with the nuns and my, and my <laughs> German mother, certainly I do. Me oh, too. Oh,
2: I'm so sorry to hear that. That is not okay. I'm really sorry. The nuns no. got me too. I'm sorry. And, and uh, well, you and have seventh grade. A, and I
12: just want to let you know I am, I am not a parent. Um, even after five rounds, uh, of in vitro, which, uh, which failed for my wife and I. And being a nurse, I was the one that had to give her all her shots and turn her into a black and blue bruised mess. Um, so I admit I'm not a parent and, and I understand that becoming a parent certainly gives you certain insights. Um, That someone who doesn't have children has. On the other hand, you know, at at that young age, I don't know how well trying to reason with a child um, is going to work when they're incapable of responding to you, giving, say, giving them a timeout or saying, well, why don't you think about how the dog feels? Well, they just don't operate that way.
0: Joe, thank you for the call. You know, and and I think that the, the same argument that's had for you know um, spanking that, that you've got, uh, Stephanie, is how do you teach a child not to use violence by using violence upon them? And it, it's, it's a powerful sounding argument. Uh, it really is. But how do you teach a child not to use uh, violence by – I mean the fact is I initiate force upon him by putting him into timeout. Um, how do I you know whatever disciplinary tactic yelling i mean how do i teach how do I teach a child not to use violence by yelling at him? How do I teach yep. a child not to use violence by t- attempting to reason with a child that can 't reason
2: well I, and and some people consider things like yelling or withdrawal of affection and love or or time out You know where the word time out comes from mark it's it's um, It comes from operant, Games. no, it comes from um, operant conditioning, which is the studies that they used to do on pigeons and monkeys where, you know, they would um, condition them when they heard a certain sound to do a certain thing and they would give them a reward if they did the right behavior. So time out was a, a phrase um, that was used in animal research. I think this is, time I out. think
0: everyone's clear that this is behavioral modification. I think that that's, that much is true. Yep. And, you know, whether you're talking about pets, you're talking about
2: children, you're still talking about, well, beasts that reason to some level. Well, in my opinion, too many people treat their children like they're pets. And I think there are other ways besides behavioral modification that parents can interact with children. Free Talk Live!
0: Live. Just us a call at 855 450 free. 855 450 3733. That's the SACL toll free line. SACL CAI toll free line. We've been talking about uh, spanking and discipline and how to properly raise kids. And it's been, you know, it's been pretty interesting here. Let's go to.
1: So Stephanie, by the way, how do you feel about spanking between consenting adults? Oh, God.
2: Um,. I think it's it's fine as long as the people are self-aware and are are not really like seriously hurting themselves. Why do we have to deteriorate to that every time? (laughs) You know, I was thinking that same exact thing. Mark said we're talking about spanking and discipline. I almost said, well, not in a BDSM sense. (laughs) That's a whole other issue.
0: (laughs) Maybe maybe Jim from Nebraska can save us. Jim,
13: I don't know if I can save you, uh, but I'll, I'll just give you my two cents anyway. I have uh, two children, one's 20 and the other one's 18. Um,
0: but you don't spank and, them anymore, do you?
13: No, not anymore. <laughs> and uh, I guess I might shock Stephanie here, but I have my own theory. You know, every child's different. Some children, depending on their age, may respond to reason better than others. So yeah, you you can't take a, uh, you know, a, one, a one-step approach or a, a, a theory may not work on all children. Everyone's a little bit different. But I think there are very, very rare circumstances where a swat on the butt is probably in order. And I almost, in my opinion, would be a disservice not to do it. And I know that may sound shocking, but um, probably in my kid's life, they may have got a swat on the butt twice each. Um, But they were very rare circumstances, for instance, uh, running out in the street without looking or being in the street that's he- with a lot of heavy traffic where you don't have you don't have time to reason with a kid and their life's in danger
2: of course you, you don't have time attention. to reason with them but what about removing them from the dangerous situation grabbing them out of the street i don't think that yeah, well, I, there's, using... there's
7: no doubt there's
2: tr- no
13: doubt grab them out of the street at that time uh would be a, a wise thing to do but when you want to grab their attention and grab it right then and there and send a message that that behavior is totally unacceptable, um, whether, whether you agree or disagree, and I know every child will be different, it certainly gets their attention. Fear is an excellent motivator as long as it's used sparingly. If you if you spank a child for everything they do wrong, it totally will lose its effectiveness.
8: I agree with you're that. very,
13: very sparing with how you handle that, and you use it only in extreme situations it's one of probably the best motivator you have in your toolbox
2: i completely disagree um if you don't want a child to run out into the middle of the road it's probably because you love that child and care about them right So why not explain to the child? I care about you. I want to. I care about your safety, and I don't want you to be hit by a car. And that's look at the cars cars abstract
0: though, Stephanie, and as is the so show
2: them the cars passing by and say that
0: could hit you. Okay, so and I can show you show Jack the dog's teeth too, and they've never sank into him. And I think that this is what is not being portrayed. I think that a lot of people are concerned that kids don't get the abstract, which is that car could run you over. And Jack's never been run over by a car. He has no fear of being run over by cars.
2: Well, probably because you keep him in your sights and Generally, don't let him run out into the middle of the road, right? Hasn't
0: happened yet. But, I mean, you know, I can tell you they're slick, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, uh, you put the kid on the ground so that you can get
2: something out of the car. Phew. So a kid's They're life in a parking lot. Someplace. A kid's life is in danger. They, they almost get hit by a car and no, no, they don't even have to necessarily get hit by the car. They, oh, could they just, just have off, to disobey you. Right. Step step they just the, have to go into stepping, the street. Stepping
0: off. Right. Going into the street is uh, you know, is a high level, a very important uh, p- sort of disobedience. Yes, I agree.
2: So if they go into the street, there's no cars in sight, you pick them up and then you spank them. You think that's justified to teach them not to disobey you and go out into the street?
0: I think that there's I, I, I can I can see the justifications that people would have for that situation. Isn't in the that same just way.
2: teaching them to unquestioningly follow orders without thinking about it? Just I to think fit, that there's, have fear of disobeying your parents? I think that it is a
0: means to get them to the point where they can think about whether or not following orders is a good idea, at what whereas point, today they may not be able to do that.
2: And at what point are they able to think? I know it's not three. Jim?
13: Well, I, I guess what I would say is Any parent that loves... You you would have to agree that most parents love their children, and they they wouldn't... That's why
2: I don't understand why most parents hit, 70 to
13: 90%. Well, well, I I can't tell you why most parents hit. I can only tell you my experience and and my perception from the way I raised our children. Uh, But what I can tell you is if I thought for one minute that having a conversation with them would have stopped them from going in the street and we wouldn't have that issue, then certainly that'd be the route that I would take as a loving parent. But when I fear for my kids' life because they don't understand the danger in the street, um, I, I can tell you from personal experience that a one little swan on the butt will take care of that in a heartbeat. Especially well, it sounds when like you. you
2: it. it sounds like you were feeling really scared at that time, and I think it's important to to notice that. And it's also, you know, important not to transfer maybe that anger at at the kids scaring you, giving you a near heart oh, there, attack,
13: onto your kid. There was, there was kid. no anger there was definitely no anger involved it was a reasoned decision that was made i, I you know in a, in the in the moment but um
2: so why like why said, is it that um it's okay to hit some kids and not other kids i'm just curious why you're not applying that standard consistently to all children or all children under a certain age
13: i i'm not applying anything uh what i'm saying is every child's different if there's a child that's developed enough and has an understanding and can be reasoned with, that's the approach, obviously, you're going to take. But if you have a kid, that that discussion will get you nowhere, and they won't comprehend what it is that you're trying to change and why they need to change that behavior. They don't understand the danger. I think there are, and I'll admit, they're very rare circumstances, but if a parent uh, uses it wisely, it's something that could, I think, actually save a kid's life or save them from injury or harm.
0: Stephanie, would you agree that Jim did use spanking judiciously and sparingly?
2: No, I don't don't think it was appropriate
0: to kids. I'm not asking you if it's appropriate. I'm asking you if it was done sparingly
2: Um, and judiciously. I guess relative to many other parents who beat their kids on a daily or weekly basis, but it still doesn't make it okay. We'll take that as a victory, Jim. No, we won't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I wanted to ask Jim a question. I wanted, maybe someone else can answer this. How about a newborn baby? Is it okay to hit a newborn baby if they're doing something that endangers their health or that you don't like, like crying maybe?
0: This is a certain, uh, this is certainly, this was uh, been employed. They can't in the reason, past. right? And Isn't that th- the justification? Well, I think the justification has been all along that it's effective. And I think the beating, uh, slapping, or smacking a newborn baby to make it quit crying is ineffective. Let's take, I believe this is Dale in New Hampshire. Dale? Hi, guys. Hey, Dale. Um, yeah, are you
14: going <laughs> to take
2: my side on this? <laughs> sometime Monday co-host. I, I
14: am taking Stephanie's side, and I wanted to oh, go Oh, good. Another person that. without heard a kid. This before. <laughs> I heard this before. Funny, um, I know my, my opinion doesn't count. But, uh, <laughs> it I, counts. I've Dale, neither it. of ours I counts. Have been a kid.
2: <laughs> yes.
14: I have been a kid. I remember being Me one. too. I remember my feelings uh, at times Me when, too. when adults were treating when adults are treating me in ways where I don't understand why or they're treating me the way they are and things like that. And I hear, I've heard a case of a guy who's, whose daughter stuck a fork in a socket, and uh, he was saying that, you know, he spanked her because she needed to learn not to do that, and he couldn't explain to her about electricity and all that stuff. And uh, my thought is when you have a, co- a child that's too young to understand a life-threatening situation, you keep them out of that life threatening situation until they can understand it
8: as I mean, best if you, have you
14: a can child that can run out into yeah well what do you mean, as best as you can? I mean, you, a child that's small enough to run onto the street should be watched like a hawk constantly if they're anywhere near a street and there's no fence. Right. And any, if, you're, if you've got a house with outlets and you have kids sticking forks in them, that's why you stick those protective covers in the outlets. That's a great you, idea. And you and should have those things. Home.
0: Absolutely. But there are instances, and this is this is one of the areas where not having kids really comes into play, is not knowing what it's like, even with two parents, even with two parents standing by... It can be nigh impossible. For one, you need to plug things in sometimes. Sometimes when you plug things in, you don't put the little plastic thing back in the, uh, in the hole. When you take a kid out of the, uh, the... But that's
2: not the kid's fault. You understand that, right? I'm not saying oh, it's the kid's fault. They do, however... When, it, you,
14: when you use discipline to teach them not to do stuff like that, they only learn not to do it when you're watching.
2: Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. I'll take that over nothing. <laughs> Hold the line, Dale. <laughs> Free Talk Live. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855 to get vapor or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. There we have links to both Newegg and Amazon and where you can do shopping online, the shopping online that you would normally do. Go do it through shop.freetalklive.com because not only do you get the things that you want, but you help Free Talk Live in the process. We get a little percentage. Your price isn't raised. Shop.freetalklive.com So um, go go to learnliberty.org slash FTL and check out Ben Powell's Public Choice, Why Politicians Don't Cut Spending. It's a two minute and 20 second video that shows simply and easily, not just for you, but for your friends and family. Why? Using public choice economics or the economics of politics, Ben Powell, he shows how voters rationally ignore what politicians do. You can get watch this video. Once you have watched it, if you think it's as compelling as I think it is, share it on your Facebook so other people can see it. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. Actually, Ben Powell's a uh, personal friend, and it's a great video. Learnliberty.org slash FTL. We were talking to Dale in New Hampshire about disciplining children. Dale, go ahead.
14: Hi, Mark. Uh, well, the other thing that got me inspired to call in I actually uh, was hearing talk about Jack's case, and uh, I'd heard about this before.
8: What's this? Jack's need- case. Jack?
14: Jack. My case. child, Jack. Okay. Yeah, about either poking the dog or hitting the dog, uh, and uh, you say when he's when when I hear you talk about he's not looking you in the eye when you're trying to look him in the eye and everything, it feels to me like you know my, that you're the confrontation. Maybe that you said he you think he knows that he's doing something wrong, and so I think you got to get around that confrontation. You're doing something wrong to get to why he's doing it. And, like, what, what desire is he fulfilling or what need is he fulfilling by doing that? And sometimes, like, you know, kids acting out or, or you know, it's the same with animals and stuff, acting out. They're, they're doing it to get attention sometimes. Uh, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but um, and it seems like the trick is to, you know, not, not give him what he wants right that moment when he's, when he's doing that, but find out what, he, what, is it, what is it he wants from that, what's he trying to get from that. And to get him to communicate, you've got to get around the confrontational nature of it you know to to get him him to communicate he's he's gonna have to be a
0: little older too dale i mean frankly i don't
14: i don't agree with that i mean he's going to communicate like a kid and you're going it's going to take it's going to be challenging but but you know it's it's um well even little babies in the eye you know
2: even little babies i think can communicate things like hunger you know tiredness right oftentimes
0: poking the dog because he's hungry
2: no probably not but i'm saying kids may have nonverbal ways to communicate or you know
0: Let's go on, Uh, Dale. I I appreciate the call. We've got uh, a whole bunch of calls lined up. Lots of people want to talk about this issue. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick.
11: Hi. Fair warning. I have never been a kid. I was born fully formed into the world as I am now. Finally, somebody who has
0: no justification whatsoever to talk about this issue. Excellent.
11: But I am a (laughs) live-in uncle living in a nine-person household with my brother's family, which includes their two children. One is three, the other is eight months.
8: Excellent, Uh, okay.
11: Being their live-in uncle, I have the occasional parent-like duties while their father is away, and I also observe on a day-to-day basis how my sister-in-law raises them. I've listened to a substantial portion of Wes Bertrand's podcast on raising children with nonviolent communication techniques, and I can tell you it works. Uh, I would say she is basically raising them according to those principles. Not perfectly, but pretty much. And what I notice is that in practice, those techniques can actually look and sound a lot like conventional, i.e. bad parenting techniques. The differences can be subtle to an outside observer, sort of like the difference between welfare and charity. And just like with welfare versus charity, I'd say the difference is the emotional connection involved and the voluntary nature of the transactions. Mm -hmm. For example, she sometimes uses a kind of voluntary timeout. When the three-year-old is being unreasonable or crying to try to get what he wants, she tells him in a very adult, matter-of-fact manner that she does not negotiate with terrorists and isn't going to (laughs) negotiate with him about what he wants until he can calm down and approach her in a way that is welcomed by both of them. She then suggests, not commands, but suggests that he go to his room and come back once he's calmed down. And it works. He does that, and then things proceed, and he'll be all smiles again.
2: Wow, and that's a three-year-old, right, Nick?
11: Yeah. So it looks the same in many ways as the conventional go-to-your-room, except it's voluntary, peaceful, and I'd also say it's teaching him how to better manage his emotions and get along with people.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. I really appreciate it. It is
0: fascinating. I've really got nothing else to say about it, but it's fascinating.
2: Yeah. I, I want yeah. to see I that. A, and he's also got a
11: little baby brother, so that's sort of analogous to your dog situation, I think.
8: mm
0: mm-hmm.
11: He, he treats him nicely because his mother helped him understand the baby's feelings. I've even witnessed him almost do something like poke the baby or be rough with him or take something away from him, like out of curiosity or who knows why. But then one of us will explain what he's doing. And once he understands the baby's feelings, he starts treating him nicely again. We always try to engage his empathy. And I'd say it genuinely works.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they I, I may be little they may be little humans, but they're still human beings and they still do have empathy and can... Feel what others are feeling.
11: The caveat I would say, though, is I don't know how much of this is a matter of individual personality, because my that nephew just certainly has doesn't to have behavior problems, and I don't know if that's because he was basically raised NVC or because of an inborn difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, nonviolent communication. Yeah,
11: yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah, he's th- very sensitive to to what other people think of him.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, these, these are some of the things that are brought up that some kids need this, some kids need that. Is it is it that the kid was born that way? Is it the way that the parents are raising them, nature, nurture? These are all questions that, well, aren't going to be answered. Well, on one thing I call. think
2: we can say for sure is that no kid needs violence.
0: I don't know that I I don't know that I'm prepared to say that. I have yet to say that um I you know I don't raise my son with spanking. Nick thank thank you for the call. I don't raise my son with spanking and I've I I have endeavored not to do that. So I mean I have an emotional commitment to not spanking. Mm-hmm. I want to see how that goes. I understand that I don't have a um That I don't have two kids. I don't claim to have all the answers. I claim to have sort of a a belief set that I'm attempting to work with in the real world where, you know, we have a pretty optimum scenario in, in our house. We have one child and... We have two parents that are mostly at home most of the time in the rearing of that child. So, you know, just saying, it's got to be really difficult for those parents that, well, send their kids to uh, daycare and they've got two boys or whatever. These things have got to be very difficult. Let's go to Johnson in Connecticut. Johnson?
5: Hey, hey. So I wanted to to side with Mark on this. So, you know, on this –
2: pro-violence i no, have a side mark mm-hmm. isn't pro-violence and he's committed to not raising jack with spanking but i think maybe uh it will go ahead johnson
5: well i think you know my i guess the question would be so if we were all living in a, a free society right a more free society right who if you're if you're raising your kid that way and you're you're going to use uh you're going to swat them on the button because you know you have a, a situation where a kid has say run out in the road and you need can to we just
2: call it hitting part. can we just call a spade a spade
5: Sure. So, so you, you you're hitting the kid when the kid runs down the road because you you want to get their attention and you want them to remember the lesson, right? So, presuming we're living in a more free society, now, I mean, really, is a swat in the butt really going to get that kid to remember not to run out of the road? I mean, they just risk their life. I mean, why not take a little further? I mean, if, if does I'm a speeding
2: ticket get people not to speed? <laughs>
5: well, like when I, when do they just cut the child or tease it? I mean,
2: really, <laughs> hold the line, I mean, Johnson. Obviously. He's making a comparison between the state and parents, and I think he's onto something. <laughs> it's interesting. We'll see.
0: Pre Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's free, as in freetalklive.com. That phone line is sponsored by SACL CAI, and it is toll-free to you. Ruger's new SR-40C is the compact version of the recoil-reducing striker-fired SR-40 pistol, one of the slimmest and most ergonomic full-size forty caliber pistols on the market today. The SR-40C is... Is based on the same high performance glass filled nylon frame as those used on so many Great Ruger pistols, offering the same features, including a slim frame, short trigger reach, reversible backstrap, and any dexterous controls. The SR40C features a throw hardened stainless steel slide or alloy steel slide with Nitrodox pro, fla- pro Black finish. You can see it at Ruger.com. Purchase it at your local gun dealer. It's Ruger.com, the SR40C. You know, the
1: sr 9 c is very nice. I've shot that one before. I guess the 40 c is supposed to be on the same frame as the sr 9 c C for compact. Right. The very C's. well balanced and very, very
0: good to shoot. Ruger has a lot of excellent uh, handguns, and you can go see them all at Ruger.com. Let's go to Johnson in Connecticut. Back to Johnson in Connecticut, I should say. Johnson, you were giving some, ana- some witty analogy. Please run it by everybody again.
5: Why not use a Ruger on your child? I mean, if you're, if you're going to discipline your child, do it right. You know, just find some place non-vital and give them a lesson they'll remember.
0: So this is uh, the analogy to spanking. Were you spanked as a child, uh, Johnson? Uh, no, I was not. Now, I, I'm just wondering, if, I was, if, if not spanking a child is supposed to give once. them empathy, how did you turn into such a grumpy troll?
5: <laughs> I, got I got smacked once. That's
1: all it took. That's all it
0: took. I was spanked as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for your elucidation johnson no. let's go to let's go to tony in huntsville alabama tony
7: hey um tell wyatt up there that uh you know maybe pistol whipping's not gonna work I, don't know
1: <laughs> I think he was kidding he was kidding
7: oh he was just kidding he was hey, taking uh,
1: it to an know,
8: extreme just-
7: just a couple of points. Um, first of all, I, I'm kind of thinking that, you know, uh, an adolescent, uh, someone five, six, seven years old, if... Um,
0: That's not an adolescent, right? Or a child or okay. whatever. Okay, just want to make sure um, that we're clear.
7: Right. Uh, if, you know, if you're trying to talk to them about, you know, don't run out in front of cars, uh, you could be killed, whatever, I'm wondering if a... Five or six-year-old can understand the concept of, of life and death and, and the meaning of it and, and how important it is or, or the value of it. Um, I'm just you know I'm just throwing that question out there. And I'm
0: reasonably I, certain they can't. Um, I have a picture on my computer as uh, wallpaper. It is a picture of my son who uh, is well, strangely screwing with an animal. Um, it is a he is um, you know messing with my old cat, senior, and he likes to see what daddy's <laughs> looking at on the computer sometimes. So he'll crawl up in the lap and he says, and I'll point at who's that, and he'll say Jack, and I say who's that, he'll say senior. And I say, that's right, it's Señor. And I've told him a couple of times, Señor's dead. And he says, yeah, Señor's dead. And, you know, it's, there's, there's no empathy whatever in his voice. Who it's killed just, him, Mark? He's just repeating, Señor, I'm afraid, died of bone cancer. And that's uh, the name of the cat was Señor Grouchy Pants. And but does he, him ask, does
2: he ask, like, where, no. like where's Señor? No. So maybe he understands that he's gone.
0: Uh, I, I think he does understand that he's he's gone. Sometimes he'll call the cat Mush, which, of course, is the new cat's name, mm-hmm. uh, Mushu Pork. He's uh, half Siamese, and we're celebrating his ethnic uh, heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, <I gotcha. laughs> the you know, I, I think he, he, he is completely nonplussed by uh, Senor, the idea that Senor is dead, and um, I don't think that he knows it all, personally.
7: Hey, let me ask Stephanie a question. Sure. Um, let's just say that, that you have, a like, a four-year-old little girl, and... Um, you're standing, and she runs away from you, and she's seconds away from getting ran over by a car. And I, as a concerned citizen, I tackle her, and it's the only way to get her out of the way of that car. And I, I roughly tackle her, break her arm, but I save her life. Um, now, that's a very violent act that I did to that little girl. Is is that okay?
2: Well, I think you're kind of giving me a false dichotomy because, you know, maybe as a mother, I would try my best to keep my child from running out into the street to well, begin well, with.
7: yeah, of course you would try your best, but sometimes kids can jerk away from their parents. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you could drop the little, I mean, you, you could be holding her and, you know, she could slip out of your arms. Indeed.
2: Um, well, so are you,
7: accidentally I mean, or whatever. I'm just saying if, if the situation presented itself, and it does in real life present itself, okay, that's the dichotomy, okay?
2: Sure, now, but okay, so I have a, I have another counter to your question, I guess. Sure. If, if you did tackle my daughter, and that was the only way that you could save her, and maybe she had some injuries, but at least she's alive, then I, I would be grateful that you saved her life, and I'd probably t- be trying, too. If I knew she was in, in front of the car, I'd probably dive for her, too. But are you going to hit my daughter afterwards, too? Or are you just going to return her to me? Or what, what's your feeling on that?
7: Well, it, uh, of, of course not. I'm not going to hit someone's daughter or whatever. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, you, you know, you said that, you know, that violence towards children in any way is not, you know, is not a good thing and you're totally against it. But I just, you know, presented you with a situation where sometimes, um, and and I would say a spanking on the bottom is is uh, you know in the overall scheme thing is, is is way less and i 'd also think
2: so why wouldn 't you, know, you hit my daughter if you were in that situation Say what now why would you Why would you not hit my daughter if you if you were faced with that situation and you saved her life i mean this is a kind of an unlikely scenario to begin with, but if you 're in that situation and you tackle her from and save her from being hit by a car. You know why would I think that's completely personally, different? I, that's different than I, I hitting answer. her after you save her life. Do you understand why that's different?
7: Well, yeah, it's different. But I mean, personally, why I wouldn't hit? Okay, for instance, I have three foster children. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not their bio- You know, I'm not their biological father, and so I've never spanked them. I've never felt. Um, I think there's a difference when you're a biological parent. I think there is um, a different degree of uh, of attachment of of you know not a different degree of love maybe I don't know but um,
2: well but that's really nice never... uh, let me just say that's really nice that you took those children into your home yeah. and I'm sure they appreciate you not only giving them a home but not hitting them too and that's really nice Tony so,
0: yeah th- thank you for doing that let me uh, we're gonna go on we've got so many people piled up that want to talk about this I, I just want to uh, get to them David. In Keene, New Hampshire. David.
14: Hello. I was just gonna say, um how many of y'all, if I can ask this, have been spanked as a kid?
0: So are are we asking people in the room here?
14: Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I have probably not too many times. I wouldn't say my my parents overused the uh the the, the spanking tools, but I, I was certainly spanked probably more than a half a dozen times as a child, Wayne? About the same for me. Stephanie? I was
2: I was not hit as a child. Okay.
14: I was I was one of six, and I did get spanked occasionally, not very often at all. But um, one of
0: six—I'm surprised they didn't use a bullwhip to uh, round you guys up.
14: <laughs> yeah, but or a fishing net. Well, part part of it is is this, I don't know. It's like I mean I'm not saying spanking is good. Just like I wouldn't i don't know what if the what if the cat or the dog <laughs> swatted at the kid for poking him,
0: oh know? i can assure you this is actually on, on the computer it is a picture of the cat getting ready to smack the kid he doesn't have claws and so it's mildly amusing what it would happen because it, the, the child wouldn't even know what occurred precisely being about 18 months old uh, the cat's do- been dead some time but uh yeah the, the cat uh, hit the kid on a regular I'm basis just,
14: the only reason i of that is because the kid would, would, would learn the lesson really quickly. I'm not saying that should happen, but that kid would learn the direct lesson. The world will lay.
0: provide uh, violent and painful uh, lessons if, uh, you know. Consequences. It, it, in in lieu of parents doing it, the, certainly the world will do it. Uh, David, thanks for the call. Free Talk Live, 855 Then Free- why do parents need to do it? I don't know that we're <laughs> even going to get your call in. Forget I gave that number. <laughs> Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com free talk live eight five five four five zero three well i I was gonna say free there is a three seven three three but actually there's really no room on the phone lines i don't know why i'm giving the number free talk live it's mark wayne and Stephanie.
2: And Something's let's, pinging.
0: Something mm-hmm. is pinging somewhere. I wouldn't know how to turn this thing off uh if I had to. <laughs> so, you know, whoever that is, whatever that noise is, stop doing it. Stop it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to work all these buttons here. <laughs> these bangled things. Let's go to Mandrick in New Hampshire. Mandrick.
15: Guys, real quick I just wanted to share this. Let let's say uh, people keep saying that um, like spanking a kid for running out in the street is you know, because you love this kid you don't want to harm the fault of this child, okay. So let's say I have a girlfriend and we're in a voluntary relationship, we you know we both agreed to get into and uh let's say she's diabetic and she's insisting upon eating some chocolate cake. Now l- by that Sounds same bad reason, Yeah, so she's doing something that could potentially harm her and should I use force against her, should I hit her? You know, because I love her and I don't want her to be harmed, okay? But I, I obviously I think everyone can agree that the answer is no, you shouldn't hit her. But let's say I do hit her, okay? Now, she can go to the police or whatever, and she can file charges against me. And I will probably go to jail, you know, if I'm convicted or whatever. Some, some harm is going to fall to me. Now, in the same situation, if it's a child, your child, and I, I don't know, maybe you're running down the street or maybe your kid's diabetic and, you know, you hit them for not eating that cake, what recourse does that child have? What would happen if that
0: child They can't went to the leave. Police?
2: They can't leave. And they so there's a leave. higher there's a higher standard on your behavior. They also
0: have the cognitive abilities um, that are different than your girlfriend, who's an adult, who understands what cars do to people when they run them over. I don't think kids necessarily do. And I think that it can be difficult to explain that to children if they're young enough that uh, what those consequences are. And And I feel like that has not been heard by those that advocate that seem to be advocating against spanking. I feel that the people that are saying, look, kids don't necessarily know what the consequences of their. Actions are is something that's not oh, being Mark. heard.
15: Real, real quick, Mark. Let's say my child is 15 years old and has diabetic, and he wants to eat this cake, and I hit the child.
2: Why would you hit your child for eating a fifteen-year-old for eating cake? Because they're diabetic and it could hurt them. Because
15: they're diabetic and they're they're going to kill themselves. It's like it's just like running out in the street.
0: I you know I I would uh, give I would advise them against it. With a fifteen-year-old, you're dealing with basically an adult, right? Yeah, I've got a fifteen-year-old. I mean, this is this only proves my point, George. Is that you're not hearing that what I'm saying is that certain kids of certain ages, and you've got kids, I know you do, don't know the what the consequences of their actions are. A 15- 15 year old eating cake knows that it could be you know harm them from a health standpoint a three year old oh, doesn 't oh, necessarily know that cars hitting. will turn them into squishy red stuff
15: Mark all hating taught me from my parents and from my grandparents and from my aunts and uncles all it taught me to do was fear them and you know what mm. I, I I really don 't have love for that family anymore it 's just not there anymore all it was was fear and I grew up with that fear and I went along to get along because i didn 't you know I was just trying to survive i didn 't want to have to deal with with their wrath i mean that 's not
0: That's 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 an entirely relevant and important thing to be said. Analogies about cake, I don't think they hold any water. George, thanks for the call. Let's go to Michael in Pennsylvania.
16: Uh, This is Michael in Pennsylvania, and um, I just wanted to point out that um, I was both raised in a spanking household, and that um, I was also beat. By a stepfather once my parents had separated.
2: Okay. Oh, Michael, I'm sorry. Mm.
16: And well, you know it happens. It happens in many households all over America. But not that, it sure that's does. Right. I'm just drawing a dichotomy. Um, that's that. There's, there's a line between being raised with um, spanking household as instruction, and having your nose bloodied and your guts kicked. And you know, there's there's a big difference between the two. And I think a lot of people who are on the anti spanking side want to equate those who spank as the same monsters that, you know, beat their children. No, it's. I don't think that's
2: true, Michael. I mean, it's not to minimize parents who severely abuse and break kids' bones and stuff like that. And I think that it's pretty much universally agreed that that is child abuse. But I think it still doesn't make it right to spank a kid. I mean, and if you're talking about a continuum from a few spanks once in a while to beating the kid to a bloody pulp regularly, then yeah, obviously there's a continuum there, but it still doesn't make the lower end of the continuum good or right.
16: I I kind of see your point there, but I'm it just it seems to me that those in in that community that want to say that spanking is wrong, want to throw it kind of into like the realm of of, well, it's all abuse, and they deserve to have their children taken away. And it's like, well, I'm now a 28 year old man, and I have two children, and it rarely, I don't, almost never spank, but a couple times, I'll admit I have. And I, and I, I'm not, I don't abuse my children. I love them to death. I would not want anything really horrible to happen to them. And I think sometimes that maybe a swat on the butt is warranted, but I think that that differs between parent to parent to
2: parent. Yeah, Michael, I mean, I disagree with you that a swat on the butt is warranted. And I'm really sorry about what happened to you as a child. I really am. I don't want to take your kids away. I don't think that would be good for your kids at all. And I think it's important, you know, for people who do have feelings about this one way or the other to just get their opinions out there. And people will gravitate to the message that they think is right. And that's why I'm doing this show. I'm not hey, going to yeah, use the state I, on I love you.
8: I the show.
16: Don't get me wrong. I, I really love Free Talk Live. It's open with my eyes to the ideas of liberty. And um, and that government shouldn't uh, put their hands on, on human beings or harm them in any way. So I really appreciate all of your guys' work. Don't get me wrong. I'm, just, I'm tending to disagree with you on, on just this one point. I just wanted to throw out that one idea out there. And uh,
0: Thanks thanks for calling in, I, Michael. I appreciate
1: Stephanie, it. Stephanie, I have a question for you. What do yes. you. How do you feel about this trend now by both parents and even schools to drug these kids up when they don't behave?
2: Oh, Awful. Awful. I mean, so it's so often the poorest kids from the lowest socioeconomic status, but it reaches across all strata. I mean, in society, just these um, these kids are bored in school. Understandably, they may be acting out. They may need attention. They may not be getting what they need at home. And the solution often by the government schools and sometimes even private schools is to give them drugs that take away their personality and their individuality and their will to do anything. And it's, it's tragic. Um, It's just the way it's part of the way that kids are treated in general in society. It's a lot of people don't respect their preferences or listen to their needs.
0: No child left undrugged. And um, I'd, I'd like to point out that on Free Talk Live, certainly, I doubt very seriously Stephanie's talking about people being, you know, kids taken away. There was a case uh, in Texas where the judge decided that, uh, um, you know, that, that they were going to arrest a woman for spanking her kids and uh, remove the kids from her house and all that stuff. And you don't uh, agree with that. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I don't think it would be good for the kids to have the state take them away. Let's go to Captain Ned in Florida. Captain Ned
17: free and freeman
0: I'm with you yeah day 8 <laughs>
17: and it was really good to hear him last night and it was uh good for all the troops to hear him i know he's going along with the program but i just hope he doesn't agree to any pharmacological volunteer testing
0: you know i think I-, I think in order to get into put into po- open population <laughs> and this is my ignorance speaking i'm not 100% sure of this that you have to take the tb vaccination thing that they have um i mean um
2: i th- I know it's true in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is one of the places in our where near where we are. But I'm not sure in Keene. I I'm thought not, there I'm not was no TB test in Keene.
17: Well, if if he volunteers for that pharmacological testing, uh, they'll have him talking like a raccoon, you know, and uh, admitting all kinds of stuff before he knows
2: <laughs> it. <Yikes>. <laughs> <laughs> and,
17: and speaking of talking like a raccoon, uh, Stephanie, bless your and Hannah's hearts. <laughs> I mean, have you ever watched the mother raccoon trainer cubs? No. No. Okay, uh, Mother Nature is a harsh teacher. There's not much time. They'll knock them head over heels. The rest of the other four in the litter will watch. And whatever that one did, they're not going to do. Because if you crawl down a manhole sewer, you're not coming out. So the mother teaches the cubs. There's no reasoning like with a three-year-old. I think you'll agree. I mean, I've trained dogs for years. Training a dog and a child, same exact thing. Well,
2: child, no, I think it's a
17: three-year-old child. No, no, wait, wait, wait. It, a three-year-old child going under the sink is the same as a puppy. They're, so they're lock
2: up your sink. There, you Racco- Raccoons are animals. We are human beings, and we have Rocky, the capa- that's, capability that's to reason. Animals. That's
17: in theory. That's in theory. But bless your hearts, you don't. You ever watch the mother bear knock a cub head over heels ten feet?
2: But we're not bears. Goes, we're human beings, we're, Ned. <laughs> We it's are human beings where, and children are human well, beings too, and they should I, I be treated as thing. such.
17: Cruelty to animals is the earmark of a serial killer later in life.
2: It's certainly what about not cruelty person, to children? It's certainly okay. not a person with uh, much empathy. This. I'm just telling you, that's the it is. Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks. Captain Dead, thanks for the call. Apparently, they're dropping themselves now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I have a question um, that I had written down that I wanted to ask both of you gentlemen before. Sure. So Make it a, quick. If a kid stuck his finger in an electrical socket, and let's let's just say that you had one in your home and it was unprotected, and the kid sticks his finger in and gets a shock. Would either of you spank him, or can anyone no. take the possession for spanking him after that?
0: No, uh, I would. I would say that uh, the world has uh, de- delivered its punishment to the child at that point, and spanking it, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in in that scenario, I, you know, what I've heard from parents here tonight is that they would spank in order to teach kids the abstract concept of being harmed by something that they may not understand, like cars coming along the road or electricity in a socket or something like that. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you, Mark. Of course you would.